good morning. I'm Playbook co-author Rachel Bade. It's Monday, October 23rd. House Republicans are back to the drawing board today, trying to rally around a new speaker. This comes after Steve Scalise and Jim Jordan failed to secure the gavel last week and the week before. We have nine lawmakers who have thrown their hat into the ring. But this morning in Playbook, we actually focus on the frontrunner who seems most likely to win the nomination next. That's House Majority Whip Tom Emmer. Now, as former chair of the NRCC, Emmer helped Republicans flip the majority in 2022. He's won praise from colleagues for raising money for candidates and campaigning for them back in their districts. He has good relationships across the conference just by way of his job. I mean, muscling the votes to pass with the slim majority they currently have means that he's often this sort of go-between between conservatives and moderates trying to build consensus. But Tom Emmer has a Donald Trump problem. The former president has told associates he doesn't want Emmer to be speaker, and Trump allies are already taking to social media and talk radio to pan him as out of step with the guy who's the leader of their party. To be sure, Emmer has shown a willingness to buck Trump when he feels it's the right thing to do. While many Republican leaders actually privately scoffed at the idea of objecting to Joe Biden's victory in 2020, Emmer was one of the few senior Republicans who actually voted to certify the Democratic president's victory on January 6th. But last night, we actually spoke to a host of Emmer allies, and to a T, every single one of them told us that this narrative against him is actually false. Rather, Tom Emmer's allies are telling Playbook that this entire anti-Trump narrative surrounding the whip has been concocted by his foes in the House who have grievances against him for things that have nothing to do with Trump. In particular, they're pointing a finger right now at Jim Banks, who narrowly lost the whip race to Emmer after Republicans flipped the House in 2022. But we should also note that it's not just Trump allies in Banks that Emmer's going to have to worry about. Beyond Banks, everyone who covers Congress knows that there's actually no love lost between him and Elise Stefanik, the number four House Republicans. The two have a sort of frosty relationship after they had disagreements on the extent to which Republicans should wade into primaries to help female candidates years ago, and it looks like that rift has continued. That's something else you should keep your eye on. So here are some of the allegations against Emmer and Emmer's world response. They say that Emmer as the head of the NRCC, actually told GOP candidates to distance themselves from Trump on the campaign trail. Emmer has denied these allegations on the record and actually called Trump a, quote, fantastic ally. He says that he'd merely told candidates to know your district about how best to win. And naturally, for Republicans in swing districts, they shouldn't be hugging Trump if they want to be successful. And if Emmer was to give them advice to the contrary, well, that'd kind of be malpractice on the part of the NRCC chair. There's also an allegation that Emmer has not endorsed Trump for president. This is true, but neither has Kevin McCarthy or Steve Scalise. And Emmer's allies say that he will endorse whoever wins the nomination. There's also a lot of bad blood on the part of Emmer and Jim Banks. There were suggestions during the previous whip race that Emmer and his allies were whispering that Banks tried to get ahead in conservative media during the whip race by hiring Tucker Carlson's son. And at one point, Carlson himself phoned Emmer and demanded to know which of his staffers were saying bad things about his kid. Now, Emmer has said he never did that. And to be fair, we actually heard a lot of lawmakers at the time talking about how Banks had hired Buckley Carlson and sort of whispering about it. So any blind quotes about that could have been from anywhere. 
There's also an allegation out there that Emmer didn't do enough to help Jim Jordan's bid for speaker and that he's been angling for his own race the entire time. Emmer's camp says that's, quote, so BS. They note that Emmer tried to help both Scalise and Jordan and even let Jordan borrow his WIP office conference room to meet with holdouts. And apparently Emmer's team called Jordan opponents so often to try to change their vote that they actually got yelled at by the people who were opposing Jordan. So what exactly could Emmer's path look like? Republicans are going to be huddling in a closed-door meeting tomorrow where they are going to be voting by secret ballot on their next speakership nominee. Now, Emmer's allies, to be sure, don't think he's necessarily going to get a majority of the conference on the first try. That's because there are nine candidates running, which means that's going to divide the conference. But after each round, somebody will fall off. And I'm told that Emmer and his team have been reaching out to people who are not supporting him on the first ballot asking for their commitment on the second ballot or even the third ballot. So they think he'll get there eventually. But then the hard part starts, winning 217 Republican votes on the floor. This is where we're going to be watching Donald Trump very closely. Trump himself has not weighed in publicly against Emmer, and he isn't making calls to whip opposition against him at this point. At least that's what I'm hearing as of this morning. But does that change if and once Emmer gets the nomination? We don't know yet. I think best case scenario for Emmer's team right now is that Trump world stays neutral. And we should also note that there are actually a couple of Trump allies who are working for Emmer right now. Andy Biggs of Arizona, who was one of the hardliners who ousted Kevin McCarthy, actually broached Emmer about the job before he and his allies even took McCarthy out as speaker. And I was told last night that Matt Gates has actually been playing sort of a go-between between Emmer world and Trump world to see if he can play some sort of mediator role. That's interesting. I also caught up last night with Troy Nels, who is that Texas Republican who keeps pitching Trump for speaker. Uh, never going to happen. I asked Nels if he would be comfortable voting for Tom Emmer, given all the pushback from Trump world that we're seeing on the outside. And he told me, quote, if Tom Emmer can get 217, I'll back him. But he noted that it looks like it's going to be a difficult path for Emmer, given all these allegations that he's anti-Trump that are circulating out there right now. And for the rest of your schedule today, the House is in, the Senate is out, and you should keep your eye on another dynamic that is going to be percolating in Congress over the next week. Republicans on the Hill are increasingly divided about whether or not they want to support this White House request for more than $100 billion to fortify Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan, and the U.S.-Mexico border. Yesterday on the various Sunday talk shows, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and House Foreign Affairs Chairman Mike McCall appeared to back the idea of passing the package as a whole. But this morning, we report in Playbook that Senator J.D. Vance of Ohio is going to be circulating a memo to his colleagues, making the case for separate votes on these issues. He's basically arguing that Congress should be prioritizing assistance for Israel and that Ukraine aid does not need to pass and therefore should be considered separately. Meanwhile, over at the White House, President Joe Biden is going to be returning from Mahoboth Beach. Then, later in the day, he'll participate in an event promoting Bidenomics. For more, visit politico.com slash playbook. I'm Rachel Bade. Thanks for listening.